Welcome to the Resume Storyteller, bringing you interviews with industry experts, regular folks who tested the job search waters and succeeded, and strategies to tell your story and land you job interviews. Here's your host, Virginia Franco. Hey guys, I am so excited to have with me today, uh, we recruiter founder, Jack Kelly. He's an executive recruiter at one of the oldest and largest global search firms, um, where he's personally placed thousands of professionals with top tier companies over the past few decades. Um, But he's passionate about advocating for job seekers. So at the start of the COVID-19 epidemic, he founded a recruiter to help people in need and make the job search more humane and enjoyable. Um, Today, Jack shares his insider interviewing tips and career advancement secrets as a senior senior contributor to Forbes, which is how I first found out about you, and um, covers timely topics related to corporations, high-profile folks, Wall Street politics, and more through his newsletter, which you call it the Kellington Times. Is that right? Yes. Okay, very good. Um, But thank you for joining us. I've been a longtime fan, and I I knew about you through Forbes, but then I met you in the... um, we did that, uh, Vincent Van Van. Yes. Um, I forget the, the name summit. of that the awesome Ho- the conference. Did. The Hope Summit. Thank yes. you. And you moderated for that. Yes. Which was super cool. But I'm a huge fan of your stuff and I'm really, and you always offer such great insights from since you see things on the other side of the job search table. So thank you for coming on. Well, my pleasure. Thank you. And, and I, I love reading your stuff and, and your champion for people who are looking for a job and getting ahead. You know, helping whether it's with their resume or career advice, and I really you know respect everything you're doing. Oh, and well, so this you. is this is really good, and, right? and I'm honored to be uh, on the podcast with you. Thank you. Well, right back at you. Um, so you heard me read that quick overview of yes. um, what you do, but I have no idea how you grew up to be a recruiter. <laughs> so here's the deal with recruiters. Uh, do you want <laughs> do you want the unvarnished? Sure. Here's the please. real deal. <laughs> <laughs> no holds bar, you know, bar kind of thing. Sure. No, come on. No one grows up and says, you know what? I want to be a doctor. I want to be a fireman. I want to be a recruiter. Doesn't happen. So with recruiters, for the most part, in my opinion, and I know a lot of recruiters who might be listening to this down the road are going to hate me, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they fall into it. It's one of the things you fall into because... It's not like on that list of approved kind of jobs. Oh, no, it's not firefighter, astronaut, right? Yeah, same with resume writers. Like, who knew that was a thing? Yeah, you fall somehow. You fall into so being going, you know, becoming a recruiter. I kind of fell into that, and I think most of them do. And it's it's a very odd profession. It's a very odd thing because there no there's no schooling for it. There's no no real credentials for it. That's right. You're right. God, you can just hang out a shingle. And say, okay, I'm a recruiter. That's it. It's, it's wild. But I do feel like a lot of people come to it having a desire to help people in some Absolutely. sense. Do you agree with that? Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Because, you know, and, and it's funny. Even though they go do it to help people, I don't know if that's... I think a lot of people who have that feeling maybe don't stay doing it mm. because it's such, it's such, a, it's such a tough uh, job to stay with. Uh, but it is. It is like one of the one of the enjoyments I have for recruiting is that if you're able to help somebody find a new job and they're making more money, have a better opportunity, they're leaving a really bad boss, um, it, it changes their life. Yeah. You know, it make it's it makes such a drastic improvement in their circumstances. They're happier, 
their, their spouse or partner's happier, their kids are happier. Because think about it, if you're in a miserable job, you take it out on everybody around you. Oh, no, that's You, you make sure. everybody else that's miserable. For sure. Or you internalize it and you make yourself yes. sick. Um, so how did you, what made you decide to launch um, We Recruiter during, I didn't realize you just started during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so what prompted that? So here's, so what happened is this. So with Recruiter, um, the pandemic started and like most people, I didn't think it would be so bad. Right. I figured, okay, it'll be bad. Six weeks, we could do it. Right? Like, so, right? Looks like, and then we're done. But I figured as, you know, it it started feeling like this is going to be a while. And I thought, hey, let me do something where, you know, we could help people, especially when you started seeing like in March and April, what was like 20 million people file for unemployment? Like this, this thing is real. And let me see if I could do my part to help out and, and, you know, help people find jobs. So we kind of launched it. And I was always interested in doing something in addition to recruiting, something that could scale. Mm Because with recruiting, there's only, only, it's like writing resumes. There's only so much time you have in the day. Yeah. And you're kind of limited in a way because after a while you're exhausted. You can't just keep writing it 24 hours. You can't keep writing resumes 24 hours a day. So I figured, hey, what's something that also is kind of scalable that could help people? So I hired some you know, tech folks and all that. We put it together this platform. And for the last bunch of months, I've dedicated a lot of time to just helping people. I haven't been charging them, just giving career advice, helping with interviews, being there when they have questions like, hey, what do I do to negotiate the salary? Mm-hmm. Being there just to give support, you know, having these kind of online we meetups, um, writing articles. So yeah, so it's really, um, in a way, selfishly, I feel really good doing it. You know what I mean? It felt like during yeah. a really bad time, I did something productive. Well, right. And it's something you can do. I felt, I mean, I've always volunteered, but all of a sudden I was limited because I couldn't leave my house. And so being able to, you know, go on Zoom calls and do live LinkedIn lives and things like that, that allowed me to help in a way that still, you know, that didn't get me in trouble with the law for breaking code <laughs> violations. So yeah. No, I love that. Um, so you obviously see all sorts of job seekers. I'm, I'm actually not sure. Do you have a certain industry that you work with specifically? I do. Yeah. So we, uh, over the last 20 plus years, focus primarily um, primarily on Wall Street. But then within Wall Street, we do a lot of what they call compliance and then legal mm-hmm. risk audit, anti-money laundering. And these are the people who are trying to make sure Wall Street is safe so mm-hmm. that if you... You know, and your family have investments, mutual funds or stocks and bonds, what have you, that the brokers aren't doing anything shady. They're not churning mm-hmm. your account. Uh, you're making sure that people aren't laundering money illegally. Terrorists aren't going through the banks to hide their money to do some bad stuff. So these are kind of the people who are watching over all that. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's an interesting space. The last few years, it's been a little softer, though, because this is not politics. Just is what it is with under Trump. He really wasn't a fan of regulations. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know these banks are run by pretty sharp people. So they kind of thought, huh? You know, we don't have to worry as much. We don't have to hire as much. And so, in 
full transparency. Maybe that's also another reason I was doing We Career too. I figured, hey, I have a little extra bandwidth, so I might as well. You know, this is the right. Time. Although now, yeah. now with the change in administration, I think we're going to get some more regulations, you know, so you'll be back in business. I got to tell you, that's what I'm thinking too. That it's going to be really hot, especially with this whole Reddit trading. Oh trading my gosh, yeah, we need to talk hedges. about the whole Robin Hood thing. So later, that'll be a whole other side of our conversation. Po- podcast is so awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, so. I I'm, I'm, I didn't realize that you focused on Wall Street, but then when you give advice to job seekers, you're a pretty industry and level neutral, which is what yes. I love. Um, what are you What are you seeing as sort of the biggest challenges facing people that are looking to either look for a job or make a career change? Because I'm definitely seeing a lot of people that have said, you know what, this is as good as time as any to do something different. Yeah, you know, for me, it's frustrating because. We're, as recruiters, you're really held prisoner a little bit to the jobs that the companies give you to work on. And when they use our services, the fees could be, the placement fees could be 20, 25% of the base annual salary. So they're pretty high. So they expect if they're looking for a job with 10, 20 ingredients, they want you to find someone who has all of them, if not more, no exaggeration. Yeah, the, the unicorn, right? Yeah. And so it's tough for me. If someone comes and says, hey, Jack, um, I'm an anti-money laundering compliance person, but now I want to be into you know, the hedge fund world. It's hard because to go there, they're going to say, Jack, hey, we're not going to pay you guys a fee to get that AML person. We want someone who's a hedge fund person. Yeah. So in you're, my world, you're paid it's to match, tougher. not to yeah. look for something different. So it's tougher. So there's not a big opportunity. It's not a big appetite. And I don't want to. I don't want to discourage mm-hmm. the job seekers who are listening to this. This is just when it's coming from a recruiter's perspective. And then also maybe this helps the people, Virginia. Tell me if this makes sense. This helps the people who are listening to it. Um, why sometimes they may feel they're getting blown off or getting the yeah. cold shoulder or ghosted because. I think I'm somewhat of a rarity, unfortunately, where I don't, my ego is such, I can say this. Is, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm comfortable saying that, hey, sometimes I don't have those jobs for people and I can't do it. Where other recruiters may not want to say it, so sure. they just go. But I think, I think that's really important to understand that if you're trying to make a career change, maybe make convincing a recruiter is not the right person to go to. You need to go to someone else because you're paid to match, not to take a risk and look for something completely outside the box. I think that makes perfect sense. It's it's tough. I mean, unless you find a recruiter who somehow, some way has the ability, knows what you're doing and and could switch it over. But otherwise it's really hard if if you're making that complete reinvention. It's hard, not impossible. It's Mm -hmm. not impossible. It just, it's just harder. You know, and it, it takes a lot, lot more like work. And I feel bad saying that because I know so many people are going through this now, right? Which is like so many people, you probably go hear this from family and friends thinking mm-hmm. like, what do I want to do with my life now? You know, you realize how short and precious it is. Well, and then and, you're like, all right. So and so that's it. why your network needs to be more than just relying on job applying online and recruiting. You need to also have decision makers and people inside companies that can champion you because you only need one person that's willing to take a risk. And if you can, if you could state your case for it as to why you are a good solid risk, and maybe it's you do things to close the gap, or you know if you're in a position where you can 
do some work for free to show that you can do this, then you make the case. Yeah, you're so right. It's 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 a lot of planning it out yeah. and being strategic. And yeah. that's that's what's great that you offer that because it's it's kind of about like when I hear you talk and I see you post online, it's a very holistic approach. Yeah, no, it is because yeah, there's no because there's no one size, there's yeah. no one magic bullet, right? And sometimes people do try to do that, and and I like the fact that you do kind of give all sorts of different ideas and suggestions and paths to take, you know, for the people who you work with to help them out. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, are you seeing any other sort of challenges of people that are maybe not making career changes but are just looking to job search that? You know, maybe they haven't job searched in a long time and this has caught them off guard. Yeah. The biggest thing I've noticed, and my heart goes out to folks, is either ones who've been long-term unemployed mm-hmm. or they just, it just really hits them hard. You know, there's some people who, and you, you must see this all the time when you're writing resumes, where it just, just, just that gut punch. Yeah. And it's hard to overcome that. Their self-esteem is diminished. They yeah. lose their self-confidence. They lose their identity. You know, in this country, let's be frank, you know, people tie up what they do for a living with who they are as a person. No, and, and the then, number of zeros at the end of their paychecks as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're um, not having that money, if you don't have that title, all of a sudden you're like, who am I? And yeah. some people are cool to get past it, but there's an awful lot who aren't. And Virginia... That, that's the challenge I know. So what happens when you talk to them and as a, let's say with recruiter where I'm just helping out, you know, there's no mm-hmm. hidden agenda. I'm just like, Hey, I'm here to help you role play talk. You just feel it. You know, you feel yeah. that they're not happy. You feel that they're a little resentful. You feel they're a little bitter and you could understand why when they come back and say, Hey, I didn't get that. You know, I didn't move forward in the interview. You kind of know why, because in this market where there's so many people looking for work, companies feel, hey, if Jack comes across meh, I'll yeah. just keep moving on. And so that's that's one of the biggest challenges I see with folks. And let me ask your opinion on this, because sometimes I struggle because I want to help them and give them advice. And I'm not a career coach. I mean, I'm right, doing this right. just kind of talking to people and just trying to be a good guy and helping out folks. Um, like, what would you say to them when you do see them? It, and I think you know what I'm talking about. We yeah. Know, they oh, have no. this, this vibe, this aura of like... It's just down. It's downtrodden. Yes. And I saw it, and I'm sure you living in the New York metro area, you saw yeah. it during 2008. I live in Charlotte. Yes. Where the king of all the banks are. It was just yeah. doomsday around here. Um, when I hear it in their tone, I, I bring it up. And I what my advice is, you need to practice your stories. You need to practice yeah. your, your conversation. And you need to get all the negativity out of your voice. Um, bury it deep or process the heck out of it um, because you're right. Nobody wants to hire a downer, no matter how sorry they feel for you. They want someone that's excited. Um, so you need to practice taking that emotion out of your out of your tone. How do you do that though? Is it just practice? You think just kind of keep going like an actor, actors? I, you know, I, I, I was. Who did I have on my podcast? Um, now her name is I'm spacing, but yeah. she said everyone operates on their on a different timetable. Some people can bounce back in ten days. Some people need to go on a trip and come back. Um, 
but it, I think you just need to go through the stages and acknowledge what happened. Um, for me, I, I'm a fan of having a short-term pity party, mm-hmm. you know, cry, cry, give yourself 36 <laughs> hours and then move on. Um, because you're not, it's, it's just a waste of energy. But I, you know, I think everyone has a different process for going through that. I, because you know, I don't really have any great, hard, solid advice other than that. Because it's not an easy answer. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it's not. I would think, it, it, you know, that's probably one of the biggest issues that people are yeah. going through. Yeah, but, especially know, right now. Yeah, pre-COVID, but yeah, especially right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, one thing I do, and this is going to sound maybe silly, but as a recruiter, you fail way more often than you succeed. Way hmm. more. There's not so that. You get used to failing. That's why oh, I early on, like, if you want to help people, that's great. But after a while, it's, you fail a lot. So it can kind of ruin. You, but you know, that makes like, you oh. resilient, right? It, you have to be. So here's what happens. If you're not resilient, then you can't stay doing it. And yeah. you, that's why you probably see, hey, I dealt with this recruiter. Where is he or she now? There's a big churn in the industry because mm. it's hard. It's easy to get into. It's hard to stay. And, and, you need to kind of have that thick skin. And like what I do, and this is kind of a, I don't want to say a goofy thing, I don't know, but you'll get, you'll get rejected. Let's say you're trying to get this great job order, you don't get that assignment, it goes somewhere else. You had a person who accepted the offer, and then the day before you get that call, say, hey, Jack, I'm sorry, I took a counter, I'm not going there. And you know that the hiring manager is going to hate me now because blame me for it and it sucks. And you have one of those days, Virginia, you know, when like nothing mm-hmm. goes right. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is when I was in an office <laughs> at a desk, I get up from the desk, walk outside, go maybe take a walk around the block, go to the bathroom, put some cold water in my face. And I, I'd say to myself, I have a, almost like a mantra. You know what? Whatever happened before this is done. It's over. Mm-hmm. Everything, when I step back into you know, that office fresh. And I try to block out all that kind of negativity and have a new mindset. And it kind of works because I force myself into it. Like, even if you have, you know, your monkey brain is going and it starts uh-huh. running through your head, I'm like, no, that's over. Can't do it anymore. Well, I, that's like the world's fastest pity party. It took you 30 seconds <laughs> of a splash of water. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you know what? But it's not, but I do it on a regular basis. Cause you know, right, the next right, day, right, yeah, the same exactly. thing, I do it again. <laughs> so, so just cause I do it doesn't mean it lasts. It might last an hour. Gosh, no, but you but post traumatic job loss is what I call it. I mean, it is real. Um, yeah. the good thing to me is once it's happened once, I don't think you'll never let yourself be caught off guard again. Um, which I think is a good thing because it does build that resilience. Yeah. Uh, well, sort of switching gears to the, um, nuts and bolts of recruiting when you have to find someone to search for talent where do you look how do you find them a couple couple ways and as a recruiter you as we talked about before you really have to hit that bullseye you know uh-huh. you have to find that perfect perfect person so after doing so many years we have a really nice database of people that we can go to who in the past were interested or maybe still interested and so those are people that them. like uh, submitted their resumes to you? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, and with social media and everything, and, you know, you try to keep touch with every, you know, people as much as you can. So you're on each other's radars. Um, then oftentimes they're great for referrals. So that mm, let's say I true. might call you and say, hey, I have this great job, Virginia. 
you might say, hey, Jack, I'm not, I'm happy now. I'm not looking, but hey, how about, uh, you know, maybe you should call Sarah. She's interested. Or maybe, you know, Dave, he's interested. So then you leverage off that. And then LinkedIn is a big, LinkedIn used to be pre-LinkedIn. And I'm old enough, unfortunately, to say I'm old uh, enough. Yeah, that I, did, <laughs> I was doing this pre-LinkedIn is that, um, you know, now there's LinkedIn, I'll go right to there. It used to be just the database and the people you know, but now like LinkedIn is kind of everybody's database. So, you know, probably the easiest go-to thing is, is, is going on LinkedIn and then doing running searches to find people who fit the criteria. Do you have the, um, have you paid for LinkedIn software to search? Um, I get the premium. I have like a grandfathered. You have the package. oldest one I, I have too, but you don't have LinkedIn yeah. recruiter or whatever that's called then. Um, you know, I'm embarrassed to say, I don't even know what the heck. Or there, maybe it's not, but, there's some software that you can yeah. buy that, I don't yeah. know. I don't know it's, it's sort of like Sales Navigator, I think. Yeah, um, yeah I don't have that. I, for me, the because really what it boils down to, and this is good for you know job seekers to know, when a recruiter's looking, they're really looking for the, I don't say buzzwords, but you know, the keywords. The keywords, right. Yeah, because that's what our clients want you know, us to get. So you want to find somebody who, let's take a, let's make up a, a job. Let's say it's a tax accountant, even mm-hmm. though I don't recruit for them. You know, okay. And it's in, let's say, New Jersey. So I'm going to, you want to look in New Jersey. You want to look for a tax accountant. You want to, you know, maybe it's for tax accounting in the music industry. Mm-hmm. So you're narrow, narrow, narrow down. And then you have your list of people. Hey, here's a good grouping of people or tax accountants in New Jersey who are in or related to the music industry. And now I have people to contact. Okay. And that's why I think it's important for LinkedIn. Where it doesn't have to look pretty, doesn't have to look wonderful, but if you are able to tell your story on there, so that when and I'm 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 saying this from the uh, viewpoint of a recruiter mm-hmm. that you look at, you go, yes, this is what the person does. Okay, I don't have to kind of figure it out. I don't have right. to decipher it. It's neat. It's clean in the sense that check, check, check. You do everything fantastic, and that's like the best, you know, when you're a recruiter because it's like, okay, this person. You know, on their profile, it looks amazing. So I can't wait to get in touch with this person and talk with him or her. No, and you've also, just the fact that you're searching by by certain keywords, the location industry, that shows the importance yeah. of putting all that stuff in there so that the person pops up. Um, no, so thank you for that. Um, and I... And I I love that LinkedIn is your, or not love it, but it's, I, I mm-hmm. think a lot of people say that LinkedIn is their... They're number one, they're number two go-to to find people. So for me, it's the um, number you need one. to get on there. Is it before the database? I would even go before the data because the database, okay. sometimes you have all the, you know, kind of, you know, time goes so quickly. So you might have somebody, all right, somebody who's like date. three jobs to go. So yeah, yeah, no good point. You know, it's going to be relatively fresh. So it makes sense to start. And then I might go back to the database to cross-reference it because this way I have their phone number or have their email right, address. Right. Maybe it's not on LinkedIn. So then I can contact them that way. But LinkedIn is just, just makes it so easy. To no, yeah, right. I know people. it's it's like the world's. Like you said it's it's everyone's database. Yeah. Um. So, I want to ask you about the hidden job market. A lot of people mm-hmm. talk about it. Um. I'm a big advocate of you know bypass applying online as your first point of entry. But from your standpoint as a recruiter, what are your thoughts? Are you looking for people before the posting's out? Are you relying on people to reply to a post? Well, you know, it's interesting as a recruiter. I I would say that we are kind of involved with the hidden job market in the sense that oftentimes if you get a job from a company, 
they may may not be posting it online. So So they skip it all together. Yeah. So you're privy, especially if it's a mid or executive level search, so that um, you're kind of privy to what's going on in that job that may or may not be on Indeed and all the other job boards. So so, um, recruiters, they don't exclusively have these hidden jobs, but they're definitely a good source. So for the people who are listening to this and, you know, who listen to it when Virginia reposted on social media is that the, the key is though to find recruiters who specialize in your area because they'll have those hidden jobs for you. Because let's say they're an expert in the fashion industry or on Wall Street or wherever it may be, they're going to know the players, they're going to know yeah. the hiring managers, they're going to know and know them, have relationships because you know you deal a lot with them. So they're gonna they're gonna feel comfortable. They're gonna know the culture, how much they pay. They'll know when the jobs come in. So if you could have, and you can have a few different recruiters. You don't just need one. You could have you know a few different ones to so that you're on their radar and you stay in touch with them. And they'll know when a job comes up, they're gonna call you up and say, Hey, Virginia, you know I know we haven't spoken in a while, but you said if this type of job comes up to get give you a call, hey, this job did come up. What do you okay. think? So, and do you recommend people keeping in touch with you? Like what's absolutely what's your tolerance for this is the perfect balance between showing interest and being a stalker? Like how what's the right amount of keeping up question. with you? You know, I, I'm a pretty, pretty, I like talking to people. I'm old school. I still make phone calls. I know, I guess maybe Gen, Gen X's, which I am. Are uh, used to making phone calls. I know <laughs> Gen Zs and millennials not as much. Other texters, so, yeah. So I actually prefer having a phone call because you get to know the person yeah. better. It's harder to get to know. Uh, to me, it's almost impossible as a recruiter to know somebody through emails and texts. It, mm. It's impossible. I can't. I'm not going to really know, and I would. I don't feel comfortable sharing that person to a hiring manager because I, I don't feel I know them, and that could be a disaster. So. So, uh, it's, it's really important to get to know these folks and get, you know, a sense. So if they call and they have to do, that's their job. You know, so I respect that their job is to get a job. So part of it is they're going to call me. They're going to call a bunch of other recruiters and that's what they're supposed to do. And sometimes I'll get these calls and, and, and emails from them and you can see they feel bad because they know they're kind of nudging you a little bit, mm-hmm. but it's a game because, but I understand they need to nudge because that's what they're supposed to do. That's what they have to do. So I respect that. You do. Uh, okay. The only a lot thing of, I, I know a lot of people are worried about being a pest. You know, this is going to sound kind of cold, but I would suggest to people in this kind of market that's really rough, that's, that's, that's brutal and unfortunate, I think it's still going to be a while till we're out of it. I think it's going to take just one person's opinion mm-hmm. till we have a certain percentage of people who are vaccinated mm-hmm. and then we'll kind of reopen. So... You're going to have to be aggressive and don't worry about ticking people off or don't worry about, you know, you know, being a little pushy. I think unfortunately you have to be to get noticed lately and you don't want to be a jerk. Right. You know? right. Just, yeah. Right. You don't don't be, be a jerk, but be, be consistent. I would say politely persistent. It's like yeah, how I'll, I'll, I right. usually I like tell that. people. Politely persistent. Just keep doing, be polite, be nice. But you know what? Be persistent. And you know, if you call me and I get it, the only thing that I would suggest to people is that, and it's not, it's, it's not their fault because they don't understand how the work, how these things work. Mm-hmm. Because recruiters are handcuffed to what jobs they have to work on. Right. When you have somebody who is like making you feel bad or guilty, you can't help. 
it's rough because it's like, of course you want to help. And I'm not even saying, of course you want to help because you're a nice person. You want to help because you know, if I could play somebody, I'm going to make a nice fat fee. So I want to, of course, it's my financial self-interest to place that person. But if I don't have a job, I, I, there's not much I can do. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And I, I think people think that as a recruiter, you have unlimited access to unlimited postings and that's just not the case. And and see, that's the thing. That's that's why I'm so glad that you invited me on to talk about it because that's what I think happens a lot. There's so many misconceptions about how they work and it leads to frustration for job seekers because then they feel, hey, I called Jackie to get me, you know, didn't get back to me, blew me off. What does that mean? That means he doesn't like me, I'm not good. And then maybe perhaps to another person, another recruiter and they feel bad. Instead of saying, instead of the recruiter saying, "Hey, no, no, you're good," it just so happens I don't have a job have right it. now. Well, there's your next post. Talk about yeah. ex- explaining what the heck goes on behind the scenes with all that stuff. Because you're right, there is, and there's so many different kinds of recruiters, right? There's retained and then contract yeah. and all that. Um, well, given that you're interfacing with your recruiting clients, these companies, is there something that you find that they've been sort of caught off guard by um, in terms of? job seeking in this market and trying to find talent? You know, there, there's a, a few different levels to this. I think one of the big things is the, as long as I've been recruiting, I, I find this out, when the executives and management feel the future is looking bright, they're going to be much more apt to hire people and to take chances yeah. and bring people aboard. Conversely, when it's a challenging market and the future is murky, they drag their feet, they kick the can down the road, they don't do anything. And a lot of the people who are probably listening, they're going through it. They're wondering, like, why did I get called for an interview and I don't get back? Why did I go? Is that you know, why you think we're seeing, um, I'm seeing the job search process taking so much yes. longer. Like, let's ha- talk to one more person and... Be really exactly. great. Is, is that what's going on? Is that I lack of confidence? Exactly. Because they feel, okay, there's so many people, what they believe that there's so many people at work. And it depends on the industry. Some yes, sometimes no. Mm-hmm. But they feel so many people out there. So if if Jack doesn't wow me, okay, we'll keep looking. Or senior management, they're not terribly eager to pull the trigger and make the decision. So they're not rushing the talent acquisition person, the hire manager, yeah. you got to hire now. Whereas in a hot market, they'll do that. They mean, what are you doing? You got to hire Virginia. Come on, let's go. We could, you know, our competitors—they're growing. They're they're doing great things. We we got to get more people aboard here. So so it's that thing. And again, unfortunately, recruiters, HR people, talent acquisition—they don't want to come out and say, "Hey, we're a little nervous. We're a little afraid mm-hmm. of the future." So we're just kind of going slowly. You know, maybe it'll take three, six months. Would a job seeker love to hear that? No. But would they respect hearing that? Yeah. Because they're like, oh, okay, it's not me. Right? It's not me. It's just, this is the environment we're in now. I do. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. I cut you off. No, no, no. So, yeah. So, that's... So, I think those are the things that drive job seekers crazy. Yeah. Because they don't know, like, why did I get blown off? Yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah, Yeah. right. It harbors resentment. But... I do feel like when we get to that level of vaccination, I mean, when the 
I just think the job market's going to take off because it was so hot before and nothing really changed fundamentally besides the virus coming in. Um, so it might mean that good days are just right around the corner. We just have to get these I, I, see, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I agree with you wholeheartedly because I yeah. look at it this way. Look at the stock market. It's been such a tear. Yeah. And you could say, yeah, there's excesses. It probably is. It'll probably be a correction, maybe a little mini crash because it's so out of value. But by and large, people are invested with their own money. They have skin in the game. They're very smart people. So they're doing exactly what, what you're saying is they're looking forward and saying, hey, eventually what the vaccines could be out. Mm-hmm. You know, people get the shots, go back, you know, to normal. And then as you pointed out, I agree with you wholeheartedly, there's going to be a lot of pent up demand. So I could see things just spiking really quickly. Yep. Particularly once everything is getting better and a lot of the job losses were like hotels, resorts, hospitality, travel, beta- yeah, restaurants. Come so back. Then it could come back and all of a sudden all those people are working again. And once they're working, then they're spending money and they're mm-hmm. stimulating the economy. And yeah, so it's really getting through this last, I'm hoping. This you know, last bit. I know. It's so <laughs> close. Got, so got close. Not some other thing. But once we get right past all that, then yeah, then yeah. it should be. Then it should be pretty good. I agree. I'm, I'm excited. It's right around the corner. Uh, um, so, what, can I ask you something off topic? Yeah. Wait, can, I, can I ask you something off topic? I was just talking to my wife about this. Do you feel part of me feels like once we're through it, there's a little extra pressure? Like, okay, now I got to do something. I'm so used to being in the house and working. Oh, I, I'm, I'm having a mass burning party. That's item number one. <laughs> that- I've got like four <laughs> trips in my cart that I'm ready to. Do so. I've got. To, I'm not going to do anything ready. productive. Yeah, I'm just going to do exactly. I don't think I'm going to sit home. But I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, wow, I feel like such a loser. Now that I can <laughs> Look, do I, I yesterday I got in my car. I couldn't. <laughs> I have not driven. My, you know, today is Friday. Yesterday, when I got in my car, was the first time I'd gotten in my car since Sunday. Yeah. Is yeah. that weird? I know what you're talking about, right? Like, yeah. Like you go because we'll we'll say here, hey, we got to just drive the car on because the batteries are dying. Just because, so yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Just to do something. Oh gosh. Um, so what those are shifting gears here. What advice do you have? Can you give someone who has been job hunting and it is not going well? Um, how do you sort of recommend they regroup? That's a great question. I think what a couple of things you want to do. Let's say one you want to assess as we were talking about, is it me or is it the 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 circumstances? You know, is it that maybe I'm a I'm a an executive in a hospitality type of you know, mm-hmm. area. And of course, things are really bad. So it makes sense. That's why maybe I'm not really getting those jobs because there's not a lot of jobs out there. And then it's tougher. It's a numbers game. That's so right. only going on one interview a month, it's harder than if it's a hot market, you have five interviews a week. So it, it depends on that. But then also, sometimes you got to take a step back and do a self-audit and or incorporate, maybe get a career coach, maybe get some friends and family. Mm-hmm. To say, hey, here's, here's what I yeah, and here's what I say in the interview. Like, like let, let's say I'd say, hey, Virginia, can you help me with career coaching? I'm just, I'm just not getting it. You know, can we role play? Here's when they ask me what you do, and I say it and have that back and forth, so they could point out, well, you know, Jack, you're really coming across a little bitter and angry about all this, or whatever it may be. So yeah. then you can kind of make those corrections because think about it, you do it in every, everything else. You could be the best baseball player or golfer in the world. You're going to have a coach who's going to keep helping you with your swing. No, that's right. And I think your point that you need people that can be honest. Yes. That's um, the key. Yes. 
to say, yeah, you know what, you, you sound really bitter. You got to get rid of that. Um, but I also like what you said about it being a numbers game, because I, I think that applies throughout all job search, because if you're just reaching out to one person every month, that's not enough. Sending two emails out, that might not be enough. So um, you need to you need to have volume, recognizing that you're going to get rejections. Um, you might reach out to 10 people and eight blow you off, but then you've got two. Conversely, if you reach out to 20, then you'll have four. So you need to sort of achieve that critical mass. I agree. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. It's, you know, the law of large numbers, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you can luck out and we've all seen oh, yeah. it. If someone goes on like one interview or two. Oh my gosh. Well, they, yeah. right they apply to one job. Yeah. And they get it. Yeah. But that's, that's not, that's, that's not the norm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, don't we wish it was God. Um, so what advice do you give people um, in your side hustle with recruiter? People come to me all the time and they have a bunch of different skills and they're like, well, I could do this or I could do that. Um, what are your thoughts on helping people that could go in a bunch of different directions? See, that's a great question because I do get that really often. It's really tough. Because you have somebody who, you know, let's say maybe you know, thirty-five to fifty-five, have a, you know, a lot of experience, mm-hmm. but have done an array of different things, and they're coming from the vantage point. Hey, I have you know twenty, thirty years experience doing all these wonderful things. Of course, a company would want to hire yeah, me. Yeah, I'm a I jack of all trades. Who doesn't want I me? I do it, and then I, I have to have that conversation, saying, "I get it." However. More often than not, companies want somebody who has these very tailored, bespoke, specific kind of skill sets. They're not necessarily looking for a jack of all trades. They want someone who knows and you know they have maybe five different ingredients that you have to have. So that I would say, say to these people, work from your strengths, kind of figure out, mm-hmm. all right, maybe you've done a lot, but what are you the best at? You know, what are the things that you know you could be very competitive, the most competitive with. And then kind of and then you enjoy it and you know you can make a living at it. So try to position yourself not as a jack of all trades, but hey, I'm an expert in this. And, and that expert, expert is is a is the intersection of this is what I'm really good at, this is yes. what I like to do, and this is what someone will pay me money for. Exactly. Um, exactly. Because otherwise it's so hard. And I notice that a lot of the people who I've spoken with over the time um, who have not found things or had trouble are those folks who have a whole, you know, went from one career to a different career and mm-hmm. so on. And are great people, wonderful people, smart people, very accomplished. But that's not the need now for the most no, part. No, it's not. Well, it's funny. I've always thought that once you get hired, then they're delighted that you're a jack of all trades. Yes. It's just they don't think they need that at the beginning. Yes. Oh, without sure. yeah. that's really, <laughs> so. really shiny thing about the absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Because once you're there, hey, hey, Virginia, can you do this? And oh, thank like, God, yeah. you could like, do oh. this too, right? <laughs> right. Oh wow. But no, man, they want you to be the best resume writer ever. You know, that's all they want yeah. you to do. That's yeah. all they care about. That, yeah. And then, but don't, don't, yeah. So just focus. You're right. It, it, yeah. it all goes back to what you're saying. Like match first is you're looking for a match. Um, and so, and, and I think people need to really approach it that way. Yeah. Um, all right. This next question is, um, I always like to ask it because it's been so, so important. It's always been important, but definitely been in the news a lot more lately. Mm-hmm. Um, 
talk about discrimination mm-hmm. um, when it comes to hiring practices. And, right. and we've all seen age, ethnicity, gender, all of it. Um, what do you see on the employer side? You know, it's interesting. I, I really haven't dealt with that a lot. And it could be because the class I'd work in, you know, work with, you know, they're like the Goldmans and Morgan Stanleys mm-hmm. and J, you know, JP Morgans and what have you. And they, you know, put a premium on trying to find diversified candidates. Diversified even with the candidates. age, even age, age related stuff. You know, they want, it's interesting. Not so much with the age stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas, well, let me qualify it where they will say, Hey, Jack, you know what? You know, we have 10 guys on this trading desk. You know, we really should, you know, we really would like if you could find, you know, a woman, a woman of color or what have you. Mm-hmm. They generally won't say, Hey, we need an old dude. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so that, so to be fair, that, that doesn't come up. Okay. But, but in terms of, you know, other, other types of diversity candidates. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, that's, and this has been going for years. Can I tell you before, even going back 10 plus years, that was always something they're trying to do. And I guess maybe because within the financial services, it gets skewed towards, you know, white, white right, guys right. so that they were trying. They've been ahead know, of the curve. It's, that's yeah. So going back 10 plus nice years, they're like, yeah. all right, we, we gotta, we gotta figure something out. You know, we gotta find ways to bring other people you know, into that. And, uh, so, so I do. So, yeah. So from that, I never really saw much issues or whatever. I really, or nor have I saw a company say, Hey, we don't want someone because of this, that, the other thing. So you never um, saw blatant. Yeah. Okay. No, That's not, great. Re- no okay. not really. And then also from a recruiting standpoint too, the only color we see is green. You know, <laughs> I'm going to be really like, Cynical and crass, but like you know, you know, you couldn't care less. And I, listen, I can't speak for everybody, you know, because right. I'm sure you know there's some people who probably are, you know, prejudiced and discriminate against people. But you know, um, like for me, I could just say, hey, listen, I couldn't care if you're pink with purple polka dots. If you could do the job, and I could place you, and and we could make a fee, and you got a good job, and you're happy, and the hiring manager's happy, and the company's happy, I'm good. Okay. I'm cool. Those are could care less, whatever you know what I mean. It doesn't really matter one iota. And so, so how do you recommend on the other side, what advice do you have for job seekers that are worried about that? I'm too old. I, you know, I look my skin color is a certain way, or I, you know, I've got purple hair or whatever it is. Yeah. So let's take, you know, the the age, because I've written a lot about ageism and it's 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 pernicious. It's really tough. You hit and to me, what I'm noticing, ageism starting much younger. You know, you, 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 think you know, so? yeah. But here's here's the thing: what I've noticed, Virginia, it's not like, hey, we don't like Jack because he's walking around around in a bathrobe at work with slippers <laughs> and that you know that old timey hat mm-hmm. you wear that nightcap hat. <laughs> yeah, and he's sucking on Werther's candies. It's not because like they're looking at somebody; they're, they're looking at that. I think. A lot of it's a couple of things. One of it is the more years experience you have, you tend to earn more money. So I think a lot of it is is compensation driven. Because let's just take Wall Street, which I'm most familiar with. Right. What's been happening is you went from everything, everyone was downtown, literally on Wall Street, to then Midtown, then to Jersey City, then to across the whole country, now all over the world. So 
if you look at somebody who's 45 or 50 years old and they're making $200,000 plus bonus plus benefits, mm-hmm. companies start saying, do I want that person here in New York or do I, do I put that person in Jacksonville, Florida or Dallas or, you know, in another country and pay that person, you know, a quarter of that amount? So it's not so much that they're uh, anti because the person's old. So, just saying, so the, the uh, discrimination is happening according to where someone lives or the, the cost of living. Correct. It's the money, the cost of living. And, and can we put so in cheap? Because now if you go in any of these, like any of these, and again, I'll just speak to more of the financial services. That well, now, and they're all like, moving to Florida and Texas, right? Well, think, and they're where yeah. you are, down in the Carolinas yeah. too, right? Like, so, so like it's much less expensive there. So like, hey, you don't have to pay the same amount there. So if we have somebody who's making a, a, a nice fat compensation and say, hey, what are we doing? Let's put it down in North Carolina. Let's put it now, in, as you mentioned, Florida is becoming a hub now yeah. too, or even another country. And so that's what they're really battling with, I think, which, which is really that, tough. Well, you know what? Our country, historically, I mean, we have always moved around for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's not shocking that it's happening. Yeah. The, the market in Charlotte is booming. I'm like, where are these people coming from? And I think they're all coming from the Northeast um, yeah. because it's cheaper. So I just hope it stays it's that way. Cheaper, <laughs> it's it stays sunnier. cheaper. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like right now I'm up here. It's freezing. It's really cold. Yeah. It's really well, it's cold. cold here today too, but it's cheaper. Oh, wait, wait, wait. It's easier to be cold, cold when it's cheap. <laughs> okay. But what's your cold? What's, how, what's the temperature mm, there like, now? It's like 30 something. Oh, it's cold. Okay. Cold. So that's cold. Yeah. Yeah. It's about so two weeks like, of needing to wear a winter coat. Okay. I thought you could say like 50. I'm like, oh, that's Oh, no, cold. no, yeah. No, we have two weeks of it being what I think cold. But I just don't go outside where you guys have to, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, there is something invigorating by going out when it's cold. Like we have two dogs who go out walking the dogs and it's really cold. It just wakes you up. Yeah, so it's cold water on my face. Right <laughs> I'll yes. take your word for that. Um, so can I say something else about the age thing though, yeah. too? So here's another thing. This, I know... Um, I'm going to sound horrible and people are going to hate my guts. Uh-oh. But I think what happens is this too. You, you have a certain amount of experience. You're earning a certain amount of money. You're, mm-hmm. You have a certain title. And in a tough market, hiring managers, HR, recruiters will be like, all right, yeah, but can you do the job? Can you do it? And I think... They have, you know, some people have to kind of readjust and realize I can't just say, hey, Virginia, I have 40 years of experience mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, okay, now you can't, you, right. you cannot lead with yeah. <laughs> number of years. That's not showing value. Right. And, you, and that happens. And it's kind of almost cringy because it's like, wow, that's real, really egotistical because you have all those years of experience that makes you fantastic. Mm-hmm. But why? Like, what? Like, yeah. And then you also know that you're going to be earning a whole lot more on top of that. So it's... Well, it's yeah. I, you know, I sometimes wish the job postings didn't say five years of experience, 15 years of experience, because yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't See, and matter. That's kind of, and that is a little ageist too, when you say that, because you're saying, hey, we don't want somebody, don't apply. Well, they never say, we need 25 <laughs> years. You never see anything where it says more than 10 or never. 15, and that's strategic, yeah, for sure. Um, so... I want to ask you about what you feel like are the top tools that someone needs to be well-equipped for their job search. What would you say those are? It's a really good question. I think one of the, no particular order, you just have to get a thick skin. 
because okay. there's going to be... No one's ever said that. That's so true. It's going to be rejection. You're going to fail. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to go to an interview, maybe one day in person, and then it's going to bomb and you're going to come home and feel miserable. Yeah. But you have to have you know, resiliency. You have to be open to failure. You can't let it get you down. You can't let it just ruin you. You got to keep moving forward. So you have to have that. And then you just have that, have this dogged pursuit of what you want to do. It has to be, this is my mission. This is my goal. I got to keep working at it and, 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 and move and keep moving forward and doing things you don't want to do. Um, it's easy to just fill out applications all day long. But I don't know how great it is. I agree with you because it sounds like you're coming from the school of, you know, the you know, hidden job market, getting in front of people at companies. And I'm, I'm with you on that. Mm-hmm. And maybe spend your time reaching out, trying to find people at companies who you know, who you know, who knows someone who can put in a good word and spend your time doing that. And for a lot of people, that's not easy to do. It's, it's super outside their comfort zone. Yeah. It's really awkward. It's really awkward. But you have to push yourself. It's almost like you have to reinvent yourself a little bit uh, and say, you almost get outside of your skin. This is going to sound trippy, right? Yeah. It's like, you just got to be like, <laughs> all of a sudden, okay, I'm not Jack Kelly who has the job yeah. being a tax accountant. Now I'm Jack Kelly, this super sales person, marketing guru, right. and I'm going to go out there with a, with a suit of armor and I'm just going to keep going and making it happen. Because that's what it takes in this kind of environment. And I think a lot of people are used to, as you pointed out before, so rightly so, is that, you know, not too long ago, a year, just over a little bit of a year ago, is a blazing hot job market. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of the muscles people had for interviewing atrophied because no, they didn't I, have to do it. It was so easy, right? It's like, yeah, like a buyer's market or seller's market with yeah. your house. You, 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 can't yeah. be, you can't be lazy about it or slack about it. But you're right. When you have a goal and it's important to you, there's doesn't matter what the goal is. There's always parts of getting to that goal that suck. And some yeah. parts that are easy. So you need to recognize that this is no different. And, and what, what, you know, I, I kind of look at it for myself sometimes too, is you just say to yourself, all right, maybe this takes a month, two months, three months. But in the scheme of your lifetime, that's, that's freaking nothing. So that's you say, true. all right, three months, I'm going to endure whatever. And who couldn't really say, hey, I could take three months out of my life. Yeah. It'll be misery. Let's assume it's yeah. like you hate doing this all job search, which is the worst thing in the world, worse than root canal and whatever is really bad. But well, three months, just get everything you have. Get everything well, you and have. And if you, and I think part of it is you just, just like with the pandemic, you don't know when it's going to end. If you yes. just knew it's going to be a year <laughs> and you know. Right, right, right. You, you can pace yourself. It's okay. It's yeah. Gonna have, yeah. It's that uncertainty, Virginia, right? Like, right, right. When, when can I get this job? Just give me the deadline. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, I would love to, this is my very last question. It's my favorite one. Um, you have two roles that you are juggling now. Um, I'd love to know what's next for you, especially as things start to turn the corner. You know, that's a, that's a great question. I I wish I had an answer. You don't have an answer. (laughs) So, so it's, you know, cause it's something I've been thinking a lot about where, um, you know, I'm a recruiter. I started WeCruiter, you know, this platform to help people. Uh, I enjoy writing for Forbes. I now I enjoy starting up this newsletter and and doing that. So I'm in the zone now where I'm trying to figure out what I want to do in a group. Yeah. What what you know? I'm at a point in my life, thank God, comfortably financially. I'm set. I'm good. So it's really more about what, where, you know, 
where can I give the most value? Mm-hmm. Where, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want to contribute? You know, so I'm trying to kind of figure that out. But then on top of that too, and, and you, you mentioned this a little while back, the area that I specialize in, there's a good likelihood it's going to boom. So yeah. now do I say, all right, it's going to boom. And ironically, I really fell in love. I love writing. I love doing that. Now, what do I do? Do I, so I'm trying to figure out how I marry all these different pieces together, you know, in terms of. Yeah, well, don't give up recruiter. It's great. You know, thanks. So I'm trying to figure out, seriously, I'm trying to figure out to put all these pieces together and, and, and like, how, like, you know, how do you make a go of all those, you know? So I feel that I'm helping people, I'm contributing and, uh, because with recruit, I'm losing a lot of money, so I'm not, I can find a way to make sure that I don't, I don't blow through too much money. Yeah. So, because let's be honest, these are things you know we got to talk about. Oh these yeah, it's, it's, you're right. The right, the yes. color is green. So yeah, so you gotta, yeah, so you gotta kind of put it all together. So that's actually the the, the thing that I'm, I'm kicking around most of, right. of what I want to be when I grow up. But that's kind of fun too, because you know why live your life always like okay, you always have to do X. Well, every time you think you're going to do X, it blows up in your face anyway. So it's always nice to have uh, some backups. Um, So if people want to follow you and and subscribe, I have included your LinkedIn URL and also Mm. your, the we I always say we recruiter, we recruiter website. I didn't mean Um, it to be that way, but it's I can spell it. Um, Are those the two places where people can connect with you or is there another site that you want to share? LinkedIn is probably LinkedIn is the best. Okay. You know, definitely check out recruiter, W-E-C-R-U-I-T-R.com. And uh, you can check out my articles in Forbes. Uh, You can check out my new newsletter I'm doing, the Kellington Times, which is all sorts of just interesting news. No politics at yeah. all because I'm sick of that. It's just it's just really like, hey, what you need to know that's going on, and you know, help your career and know what's happening. So when you have conversations like this, you can be smart and know what's happening, <laughs> so you feel you're in the know. Um, Twitter, not so much. I don't know about you. Do you, do you are you big on Twitter? I mean, and I'm Facebook? on all of them, but I'm not really big yeah. on any of them. <laughs> yeah, so I'm big on I, LinkedIn is my home. The other places I go to visit, I've been yeah. I've been on Clubhouse. I've been. You what know. do you think of Clubhouse? What, um, so I see the potential of it. My problem is, is that I'm highly distractible. And so when I write a resume, I mean, it takes, I, I write a resume LinkedIn, that's 10 hours of my day. And when I go on Clubhouse, I either get distracted from the writing or I'm writing so hard I can't contribute. So um haven't figured out Clubhouse yet, but I know a lot of people love it. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure that out too. I'm not really sure. It's like live radio, like, but then you might have to jump yeah. in and talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what I, I'm trying to figure like what my value add would be there, what I could learn. So I guess I'll just wait to see it evolve and where you know I might be able to fit in. Uh, were you write, just like curiosity? So because I imagine when you write resumes, it's for all different types of people, right? Mm-hmm. Do, yeah, do you I'm, get a sense of like what's hot, what's going, where the flow of things are? You mean in terms? I mean. What I see is when people, I can, I'll, a lot of times I'll get a cluster of people when the culture is just getting really toxic in mm-hmm. a company. I I can always see, oh, things are a hot mess in that company because I'm seeing people are coming to me. Um, I tend to work with people that are looking to make changes um, or that have really, really complicated stories to tell. Um, but I, I guess I also see people... I've been fortunate in that my clients are getting interviews, um, but I'm definitely seeing a lag in terms of how long the process is taking. There just seems to be more hoops thrown in the way. Um, 
but certainly tech, I've seen a lot of hiring, healthcare, seen a lot of hiring, um, service industries, hospitalities, not so much. Um, but um, in like corporate real estate's hurting. Um, so yeah, you definitely see a sense of what, of that. Um, but I do feel like people are hiring. It just, it's, which is, I think, encouraging and, and it's just that it is taking a lot longer. I agree with you. Like for a while, I noticed on LinkedIn, turning back the clock a bit, you really wouldn't see much. You know how you'd say, hey, congratulate Virginia. She got a job. For a while, you didn't see much. Now I'm starting, you know, again. for the last few months, yeah. I've been seeing a steady flow, which it's is, nice you're right, see. which is encouraging. Yeah. No, 100%. And I, had, and I had kind of a, I'll say a poll, but it wasn't like an official poll, just reaching out to people on, um, we meet up, which is a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of them say exactly what you're saying that they're getting calls from recruiters, they're getting calls from companies, um, they're getting maybe a first interview or two, but the lack of, mm-hmm. it's just not, for the most, and some people are getting jobs too, which is cool. Yeah. You know, you know, so it's consistent with what you're seeing as well. So that, yes, yeah, some yeah. people are getting jobs, some can calls, interviews, but the timing is taken. Yeah. It's not dead though, Long which time. I think is encouraging. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, yeah. we're, we're almost there. Yeah. Um, because normally you'd think in a recession that there'd be no hiring. Yeah. But there is, so. It's very encouraging. Absolutely. Well, Jack, thank you so much for coming oh, on and sharing your insight. Um, as you know, huge fan. Please subscribe to his newsletter. It's very insightful. But thank you for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This is great. You've been listening to The Resume Storyteller with Virginia Franco. To learn more about storytelling strategies to catch the eye of today's online skim hiring and decision makers, please visit www.virginiafrancoresumes.com.